big welcome to Sean Smucker to the podcast today. Uh, Sean is an author of award-winning books. Uh, his latest book is These Nameless Things, and then his award-winning books include The Day the Angels Fell and Life from Distant Stars, uh, both winning awards on Christianity today. And he is a writer, a, a ghost writer, and uh, thanks for joining me today, Sean. Yeah, thanks for having me, Ed. I, I was I started thinking of all the stuff you do, and I thought, you know, I'll just, you know, cut to the chase. Let's. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, you know, for folks who don't know you, or maybe they they know you, but they are they are anxious for details about your life. Uh, talk a little bit about your work, about your what you're working on lately, and just uh, what your your days are like as a writer. Sure. Um, well, twice a week, I record a podcast with my wife, Miley. Uh, it's called The Stories Between Us, and we talk about family life, creativity, um, and the writing journeys that we're on. So that's been going on for about six or seven months now. We really enjoy that. Writing-wise, I'm, I'm a collaborator for a living, so I co-write and ghostwrite my day job. Um, and then I also write fiction, so I'm getting ready to hand in, well, getting ready to launch these nameless things, which will come out June 30th. And I'm getting ready to hand in a novel that will come out in the summer of 2021, which doesn't have a title yet. But I've been working a lot on that recently. And then I'm starting another novel. Um, yeah, so I, I, I always have for the last four or five years, I've always had a novel sort of on the go. Um, I realized, I don't know, this might be getting off topic, but I realized about oh, four or five years ago that I was doing a lot of writing, but it wasn't writing that I necessarily wanted to do or writing that I wanted to specialize in. You know, a lot of blogging, a lot of nonfiction writing, which is fine. I enjoy it. And it's how I make a living. But it, it wasn't, you know, my dream would be to be a novelist. And I wasn't really writing hardly any fiction. And so I kind of set this unofficial goal that I wanted to write 10 novels in 10 years, just because I thought, well, you would have to get better at it, right? Like <laughs> if you wrote uh, a novel a year for 10 years, like there'd have to be some level of improvement. So that was, that became my goal. And uh, pretty soon after I, I made that goal for myself, I did land my first, um, my first book contract for fiction. So I think I'm on pace. I'd have to, I'd have to sit down and calculate, but I, I think I'm pretty close to that goal. Right. I mean, your first book won an award, right? Like, yeah. Pretty. Yeah. <laughs> Good way to start. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not too bad. <laughs> and how did your life change? Like once you, once you uh, set that goal, like how did you have to change your day? Yeah. I had to make new priorities. You know, I was, uh, I was, I realized that I was fairly addicted to the instantaneous gratification of publishing a blog post, you know, of, of publishing a post and immediately getting likes, immediately getting shares, retweets, good comments. You know, I, I had blogged for five or six years by that point. And so I, I kind of, recognize that that was something I was going to have to move on from that addiction for immediate feedback and immediate praise. Um, so I, 
I basically stopped blogging. I mean, I still will put up a post a couple times a month, but that was probably the biggest switch that I had to make because I realized, you know, I was writing a daily blog, 500 words or thereabouts, um, which, you know, that's 2,500 words a week. That's 10,000 words a month. That's, you know, a novel and a half a year. So I, I realized that I had the words in me and I had the time, but I just wasn't directing it properly. Mm. And how do you find your, uh, you know, the work that you're doing for, for clients and the business, you know, kind of that business side of things versus your novel writing, like how do those two intersect for you? It's a good combination because I don't feel like, I don't feel like if I spend, you know, two or three hours working on a co-write, I don't feel like that really takes from my energy, uh, my, my fiction energy. Mm. Um, it's a, it feels like a totally different muscle. It feels like, um, you know, something that I can, I can focus on for half a day and get a lot of work done and then still have the desire to, um, to write fiction. So I feel like they go really well. Uh, for me, I know some writers struggle to, to do that, that sort of output. Um, you know, because if I'm working on, like right now, I have two main nonfiction projects that I'm working on. So that I need to be writing, uh, you know, at least 2000 words a day for them. And I try and write a 1000 words a day um, with the fiction that I'm working on. So, you know, it just depends on on your writing speed and your and your capacity, I think, as to whether or not that works. Because I know for some writers who do co-writing, they're always disappointed that they don't have enough energy to focus on their own stuff. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, you, you move from nonfiction writing to, to writing novels. And, you know, this might be like insider publishing talk here. But one, one of the things that, you know, a lot of people say is that with nonfiction book publishing, your online platform, social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, like all that stuff is more important for nonfiction versus like a novel. Did you, did you feel like that was kind of like a, a weight off your shoulders or was it more just an intentional, like, I'm not going to worry about this? Well, I certainly haven't felt the pressure from my publisher, you know, and I, I haven't, any, any pressure that I feel to maintain social media platforms has so far been mostly self-inflicted. Um, I haven't necessarily felt a release from that completely though, because I mean, you still, there's still the practicalities of if you're not out there selling your books, you know, who is the reality is that they're, they're probably sort of languishing. So I haven't really been able to walk away from it completely. I do feel like I've, I've spent more time uh, well, I don't know. I've, tr I've tried to figure out how to spend my time more wisely when it comes to those things. Um, right. And not promoting as much maybe as I did in the past. But it's, it just, it's kind of a moving target for me. It's hard to figure out. Hmm. Right. Yeah. Have you, have you felt like your, your use of any particular social media channel has evolved or, or you've, cut back on anything or increase something that's been helpful? Uh, 
Facebook has definitely lessened. I wouldn't say that I post less than I used to, but I definitely don't scroll nearly as much as I used to. Um, I don't engage on there as much. Uh, right. It just feels so divisive these days. And, it, you know, it's almost impossible to post anything on there without people getting upset. And so I've, I've just sort of, as, a, as an Enneagram 9, I think it just made me feel very, very uncomfortable. Um, I probably enjoy Twitter the most. I'm not sure why. I have to think about that. I had installed, I, I switched browsers recently. So on my old browser, I had installed, I can't even remember what it's called now, uh, Blocksite. Okay, I have heard that. And I think that's what it's called. And that had worked really well for me because I had, uh, there you can block out times you know, so I had basically blocked out everything during the day except for maybe a half an hour over lunch and an hour like in the afternoon, late afternoon, uh, at least during the workday. And so I, I do feel much more productive when I have that, just that little check sort of in between me and, and social media. Now, I recently switched browsers because that browser was giving me problems and I have not yet made the move. Uh, I just haven't taken the time to install the hardware uh, or the software. And I, I can tell a big difference. Like I'm definitely just sort of quickly checking more often. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Sucked in more often. Yep. So that's, I mean, yeah, that's, that's something that I'm going to have to take care of. Right. Yeah, I can... I can tell the difference between the mornings when I have uh, self-control. I have that, that app on my computer. Uh, the mornings when I have self-control set up the night before and the mornings that I don't have it set up. Mm. And I, I started doing a thing where I restart my computer at nighttime and then I set up self-control for like, I don't know, 16, 18 hours so that it's social media is blocked like almost all day. <laughs> and then at the end of the day, nice. I can get on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's. I mean, you know, I had taken about three weeks completely off in, maybe it was, let's see, what is this? This is May. So I think it was around February or March. Mm -hmm. I had just decided I needed some time, some space. And so I, I got off and did not get on for about three weeks. And you know, when I do those, I'm just so amazed at, at how peaceful I feel. You know, there's like, I don't, it's hard to, it's hard to describe. It, it feels like, it feels like I'm here in a way that I'm not when I'm on social media. It feels like I, because when I'm on social media, like I am currently, I, I always feel kind of this nagging, like, whisper in my head and it's not necessarily a negative whisper it's not a positive whisper it's just that it's there and when i take those breaks where i'm completely off it's it's like a it's kind of like um like a haze lifts somehow mm -hmm. i don't know how, i don't know if that's mm -hmm. the right way to describe it yep. um so the reason i got back on was because our podcast numbers just plummeted you know when i wasn't sharing it <laughs> Um, right, right. Like literally half, you know, of 
of what it was before. And it's just, I have a really hard time with balance. You know, like for me, it's much easier to be completely off than it is to be dabbling, you know, in and out here and there. So right. I've got to figure out a way to, to get better at that. Right. Although like, you know, social media is designed for complete indulgence and yeah, <laughs> unchecked usage. So yeah. It's kind of an uphill it's, battle. <laughs> it is an uphill battle. It's what did I, I read in an article, probably one that you had sent to me. It's us against the trillion dollar supercomputer, right? Yep. It's like yep. our brain against the <laughs> yep. Yep. contest in which we will always lose. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Was, yeah. Tristan Harris. Yeah. And there's another guy who said, uh, it's, it's you versus a thousand engineers. So you know exactly yeah <laughs> unfair chess <laughs> right <laughs> um so you you've you've already kind of hinted at some of this or shared a little bit of this but you know one of the things i talk about in reconnect is about you know how we restore ourselves it's it's not just that we want to put you know barriers but we want to like create space for good things we want to um you know whether it's making space to write a novel or uh, taking breaks, you know, I'm, I'm curious just what are some things that you've either done just kind of like one-time things that you've done like that fast or are there things that you're doing right now that have been helpful for you in, in uh, restoring yourself, restoring your soul, restoring relationships? Yeah, so one thing that's hugely helpful for me is I went through a phase where as soon as I got up in the morning, I was checking social media, you know, mm -hmm. this was a little while ago, but it just became my sort of wake up, roll over. Oh, there's my phone. The kids aren't pulling on me right now. I'll see what I can look at. Yeah. And it's interesting because like you said, a lot of times it's not just about blocking, but it's about replacing. And so instead of blocking myself from, the phone, I just simply replaced social media with pray as you go. Mm. And it was, it's, it's really, I'm, I, again, I'm kind of out of the habit now, but it's such a, a renewing practice. And I think uh, the phone is already there. I don't have a, we don't have a clock. Like we, we barely have any clocks in our house anymore, right. probably because of these phones. And, phone. um, yeah. 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 So, uh, so we have it for a clock and it's there already, but I think to just sort of make a shuttle, a subtle shift in how, how we use it can make all the difference. So for me, that was, that became a really comforting practice. Mm. And that's, that's what's interesting to me is that I feel like, you know, these practices almost need to evolve. It isn't like you like, you fix it once and you're done. Like it's kind of an ongoing tweaking or tinkering where, you know, life changes, there's different challenges, different habits. Um, yeah. Even just different prayer practices that kind of develop over time. Yeah. And I'm not sure, you know, I mean, fasting I think is wonderful, but I wonder sometimes if it's the daily struggle uh, that it, that can actually be good for us uh, to engage in 
trying mm. to create better practices instead of just throwing something out the window. And, and, you know, my wife and I had a very serious conversation uh, maybe three or four weeks ago where, so we have our two oldest kids have phones. They're 16 and 17. Um, our two middle kids use two of our old phones just for when they would go to school so that they'd have something because they walk through the city to the school. So then they turn it off when they get to school and they're not allowed to be on it when they're home, but they have these phones. And I was just getting so sick of smartphones. And so we had this conversation one time and I thought, and I told Miley, I said, why don't we just get rid of these things? Like we complain about them all the time. Right. Um, like what would, why don't we just take our phones and take them into the store <laughs> or throw them in the trash and get flip phones? Like seriously, what, why do we keep doing this? Yeah. We had a long conversation about it and Miley is by no means a technology advocate. I mean, she, she would normally be the one to make this suggestion, but her point that she brought up was, you know, while we have the kids in the house, now is a really wonderful time for us to be able to help them figure out how to use these things because, mm. you know, as soon as they get out, they're going to get one. So we can, right. you know, we can shut them off from it while they're in our house. till they're 18 or 22 or whatever. Um, but at some point in their adult life, they're probably going to get a phone and then who's going to have the authority that we have now to step in and sort of guide them in a way towards healthy technology use. So I thought that was a good point. You know, I think it, the easiest route probably would be just to get rid of phones and then we wouldn't even have to have these conversations. But right. um, I think yeah. there is something to be said for learning how to navigate something that's difficult instead of just eliminating it. Right. And I think that you know, the helpful thing for like a fast is that, you know, it gives you that baseline of like, this is what it feels like when I'm, you know, mm. normal, <laughs> but I'm not, yes. but I'm not yes. like plugged into the matrix and uh, kind of helps you get a sense of that. And then you can recognize when you're off, off balance and when you maybe need to, mm -hmm. you know, change your habits or pull back a bit. I mean, I feel like that's yeah, yeah. You know, really helpful yeah. in, that, and that, in that regard. And that's a, that's a conversation that we even had with our oldest son, you know, um, we had him take a three or four day break from his phone and, you know, the change in behavior and attitude and it, it was pretty remarkable to see mm. just how he would change. And it gave us a really good opportunity to have that conversation with him and to say, okay, do you see how differently you feel? Do you see how differently you act, how you sleep better, all of these things. And, and I think doing that from time to time, you're right, is a good way of reminding us of, you know, how, how we can be without those things. Mm. Well, that's super helpful. And I'm, yeah, I'm glad you guys are having those conversations with your kids right now. Um, yeah, I'll be, it's, I'll be in touch in a couple of years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, it's a lot, I think we've discovered it's a lot like food. Um, mm. Especially, you know, as your kids get older, they have access to, to eating uh, more of their own choice of foods, you know, snack foods, junk foods, candy when they're out and about. Our kids wander the city now, so you know they they stop it at CVS or a gas station and get what they want. Um, but I think it's the important thing is to help them to become conscious 
of how good food makes them feel and how bad food makes them feel. And, you know, they're still going to be free to make that decision as they get older of what they're going to eat. But I think one of the best things that we can do as parents is to help them to always be returning to that question of how does this actually affect me? How am I feeling honestly? Um, and does that mean that I'm not going to eat a Snickers every once in a while? No, of course not. I'm going to, I'm going to treat myself, but um, you know, remember, like you're saying, remember what that baseline is like and how good that feels. Right. Definitely not hiding Snickers behind that radiator right there behind you, right? Well, no, they're not, but I probably am. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've had that, we've had that conversation about ice cream, about like, like see how crazy ice cream makes you feel? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's the yeah. sugar. <laughs> yeah, and it, and it's good, you know, it, it's good to be aware because so many of us live our lives just completely unaware of, you know, the, the roller coaster that we're on. We, we just kind of hang on for the ride and, and become really oblivious to, to our feelings and, and, how, and our health and all those sorts of things. So I think anytime we can help our kids or help ourselves become more aware of how we are feeling in this present moment, I think it's a good thing. Mm. Well, thanks so much, Sean, for, for sharing and for just being a part of the conversation about how you're reconnecting. Uh, how, how can folks connect with you these days? What's, where are the best places to find you? So um, my website is seansmucker.com, S-H-A-W-N. Uh, I'm on Twitter at Sean Smucker. And our podcast is called The Stories Between Us. So those are all good places to That's on iTunes and all the, all the usual spots. Yep. Yep, all the usual places, yep. All right, awesome. Well, thank you so much, and, and you and your family have a great evening. Thanks. You too, Ed. See ya. Yeah.